two questions today, Baptist Catechism question 20 and 21. The first is brief, the second is long. Into what estate, or state of being, into what estate did the fall bring mankind? Answer, the fall brought mankind into an estate of sin and misery. Question 21. Wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate wherein two men fell? Wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate wherein two men fell? Answer. The sinfulness of that estate wherein two men fell consists in the guilt of Adam's first sin, the want of original righteousness, and the corruption of his whole nature, which is commonly called original sin, together with all actual transgressions which proceed from it. We will read now from Romans 5, 18-21. Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Rome, saying, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners... So, by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. These two catechism questions and answers are very important. They help us to understand what man's condition is after Adam's fall into sin. Into what a state did the fall bring mankind? This is asking, what is man's state of being now after the fall? We have already established that it was Adam who sinned, but Adam alone was not affected by the sin. He functioned as a federal head or representative on behalf of others. So all of humanity fell in Adam. There is a sense in which we were present with him there in the garden when he ate of the forbidden tree. We were present with him there uh, through the principle of representation. He represented us. And so his sin has affected all who descended from him. We are to remember how our catechism talks about the various states of being in which man has existed. Man was made in the image of God. Man was made body and soul, with body parts and soul parts. Uh, this, this nature of man has never changed. Uh, man is still in the image of God, with body and soul. Uh, what has changed is the state of man. Man's condition has changed. Remember that Adam was in an upright state of being in the Garden of Eden. He was without sin. He was perfect from the hand of God. But when he fell from sin, he fell into another state of being. Our catechism calls that state of being the state of sin and misery. This is now the condition of man after Adam's fall into sin. We are in the condition or state of sin and misery. So what was Adam before the fall? We say he was human. What was he after the fall? Human. What was his condition before the fall? Upright and innocent. What was his condition after the fall? Adam was then fallen, corrupted and sinful, and this was the condition into which all of Adam's descendants were born. 
So Adam's children, they were not born upright. They were born fallen. Adam's children, they were not born in a state of, of, of uprightness. Uh, they were born in a state of sin. And of course, this state of sin also brings with it misery. Wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate wherein to man fell is the next question. I think the thing being asked here, well, is this. Well, what is, what is sinful about this state of being? What's wrong with it um, exactly? We say that we're born in sin. What does that mean exactly? What is sinful about this state of being that we are now born into now that Adam has fallen into sin? Our catechism is very, very helpful here. The sinfulness of that estate wherein man fell consists in, and then a number of things are listed. First of all, the guilt of Adam's first sin. When Adam ate of the forbidden tree, he became guilty before God. He violated God's law, the moral law in the heart, but the positive law to not eat of that tree. He went from being innocent before God to guilty. And... All who were born from him were born into the world, not innocent, but guilty. It's interesting how we talk about little babies as if they are born innocent. Oh, look at how innocent they are. And there, there is some truth to that. If we speak in a very common and imprecise way, there is some truth to that compared to adults who have now sinned themselves, you know, and who have been given over to corruptions. Little children do have a certain innocence about that, but they are not born innocent before God. There is no such thing as an age of innocence, nor is there such thing as an age of accountability. This teaching is so prevalent in churches even to this present day. There are some who will say that no children are innocent until they develop the ability to uh, think rationally and to make rational decisions. There is no such concept found in the pages of Holy Scripture. Instead, we know that even little children, when they are born into this world, they are born in this state of being. They are born guilty before God. This guilt that Adam took upon himself was then imputed to all of his descendants. All who are born into this world are guilty because of Adam's first sin. So the first thing that is mentioned here is the guilt of Adam's first sin. The next thing that is mentioned is the want of original righteousness. Want means lack. So we have something bad, namely guilt, when we are born into this world. We are guilty in Adam. And we also lack something good. What do we lack? We lack original righteousness. Adam, before his fall into sin, stood before God innocent and righteous. He was both innocent, he was not guilty of sin, and he was righteous before God. Um, he was right before God. But those who are born into the world as descendants of Adam, after the fall, they are born with a lack of original righteousness. So we have something bad, guilt, and we lack something so very important, a right standing before God. The third thing that is mentioned here is the corruption of his whole nature. And all of these things together are commonly called original sin. What is meant by the corruption of his whole nature? 
Uh, this catechism question was very timely, I think, when compared to the sermon that was preached this morning on the Tenth Commandment. In this sermon that was preached this morning, we talked about how man consists of body and soul. And so both body and soul are corrupt now that man has fallen into sin. The body does not live forever, but is given over to the process of decay and even to death after the fall. And we can also talk about the soul of man and the corruption that has come upon the soul Man's soul is corrupt before God. It's distorted. It's twisted. It's all bent out of shape so that the soul of man is not drawn to God and to the things of God, but away from God. In fact, the soul of man is now drawn towards that which is evil. And yes, we may talk about these three parts of the soul of man, the mind, the affections, and the will. They're all messed up. They're functioning, yes. Adam had free will prior to the fall. He made real choices. From his own heart, he chose to do whatever it was that he was to do. He made real choices. That free will remains after the fall. Men and women who are fallen still make real choices. That ability to choose was not taken away. What is the problem now? It is the corruption of the soul. That is the problem. The choices that we make are going to be inevitably sinful choices Why? Because of the corruptions within us. Our mind does not think and believe that which is true. Our affections are drawn towards evil and repulsed by good by nature to one degree or another. Our wills are even broken so that we will not that which is good and well-pleasing to the Lord, but that which is sinful. The corruption of man's nature is the problem. And then lastly, our catechism says, together with all actual transgressions which proceed from it. So we have this thing called original sin, guilt of Adam's first sin, lack of original righteousness, a corrupt nature. All of these things are inherited from our first father, Adam, the federal head of the covenant of works. But also, we must say, we sin ourselves. From this corrupted nature, from this guilt, and from this lack of righteousness, we too sin ourselves. And this happens even from a very young age. Even even amongst the innocent ones, you know. (laughs) Even amongst the innocents. They are not so innocent, are they? Any parent can attest to this. From a very young age, our children show a rebellious spirit. And so Adam sinned. He led the whole of the human race into sin. But each individual human does themselves sin in time. The sinful actions proceed from a sinful and corrupt nature. Again, I will conclude with a a little bit of a, a reflection upon what life will be like in the new heavens and new earth. The same observation was made in the morning sermon, and so I make it again now. Will we be perfect here in this life? Uh, No, because even even those who have been redeemed in Christ, who have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will confess in due time that corruptions remain in us. We've been renewed, we're being sanctified, corruptions remain, so we do what is good and well-pleasing to the Lord, but we still sin. That is the experience of the believer in this present evil age. But in the new heavens and new earth, 
We will be confirmed in righteousness. Why will it be impossible for us to sin in the new heavens and new earth? Will God in the new heavens and new earth take away our ability to choose so that we become robotic? And therefore we only do that which is good and never that which is evil? No. The issue here is that we will still possess this ability to make free choices, but we will be so perfected in the new heavens and new earth by virtue of what Christ has done for us that we will not be able to sin any longer, but will only be able to do that which is good and well-pleasing to the Lord. The mind will be perfected. The affections will be perfected. The will will be perfected so that we live in perpetual obedience to God forever and ever. The Lord will be faithful to finish the work He began in us. And when will that work be finished? At the end of time when Christ returns in the new heavens and new earth. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven. It almost sounds strange to say it, but thank you for this bad news. We thank you for this bad news concerning Adam's sin and how it has plunged all of humanity into a state of sin and misery. uh, Because it is this bad news that helps us to see our need And it helps us to see the glory of our Savior. And so we give you thanks, O God, for the bad news of sin. Uh, We thank you so much more for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you have provided a remedy to our problem. God, we thank you that you have forgiven our sins, that you have given us a new heart. We do pray that you would sanctify us as your people. Enable us more and more to refuse what is evil and to choose what is good in Christ Jesus by the power of your word and the Holy Spirit working And we do long for that day when we are perfected. Lord, finish the work you have begun in us. We thank you that this work is your work and not our own. But do help us to be responsible, O God, to pursue righteousness and holiness in the whole of life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.